Fualsha, 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 Akharja Gale, and welcome to episode 99 of the Rebel Matters podcast. As usual, I am your host, Anna O'Carlan, and this week's guest on the show is Harrison Gardner. Harrison is a builder of many things based just outside of Ennis Diamond in County Clare, who I first got to know about this time last year, actually, when I took part in his introduction to welding course and also a week-long course called how to build everything out of anything this chat with harrison was recorded in the social space down the back of the ackley train facility in cork city because harrison was making his way down to west cork to record a couple of days of the tv show that he's working on at the minute with rte called build your own and he actually did a really good interview with The Independent about that show recently. I'll add the link for that into the show description, along with a link to Harrison's own website and his Instagram account, which is worth following because he keeps it up to date with pictures from the courses and the different pieces of work that he's currently involved in. Anyway, it's mad to think that we've got 99 episodes of the podcast done together and it was actually a real treat to be able to sit down face to face and record this one because the vast majority of the recent episodes have been recorded over Zoom because of the travel restrictions and all of the other crack that has gone along with the pandemic. We started off chatting about how Harrison got involved in the building game in the first place and the chat got fairly wide ranging and we ended up delving into some of the ideas behind the kind of work that Harrison does which I think you are really going to enjoy. And just before we get stuck into the chat with Harrison I just want to say a massive thank you to all of our patrons who have been keeping the Rebel Matters show on the road. This show is completely supported and funded by the patrons on patreon.com forward slash rebel matters where we have five various tiers of support all that are named after our favorite native Irish trees and all have uh, little gestures of gratitude going along with them so if you're considering becoming a patron of the rebel matters podcast then you can fly over to patreon.com forward slash rebel matters right Let's get stuck into episode 99 of the Rebel Matters podcast with Harrison Gardner. for coming into the podcast of course well thanks for having me it's great the first obvious question that i had to ask you was how did you end up getting into the world of eco building in the first place yeah sure it's fun listening to everyone's different uh attempt to explain what kind of building i do because i i would never call it eco building i got really. it from your website earlier did you it, well no it says What's Erin? Erin wrote the buildings, website. <laughs> eco buildings and sustainable something. design, maybe sustainable design. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. would you call it? I just call it building, and I, uh, I think, I think you're right. I think it probably does say that on the website, and that's Erin's, Erin's, Erin's take on it. <laughs> that's Erin's version of describing it as well. Um, I I kind of like to think that I I very proudly just call it building that I think it's I think it's the most uh common sense approach to building. I don't think I'm doing anything revolutionary or against the grain as far as buildings go. I think I think the kinds of buildings that I'm trying to build and trying to make are are the buildings we instinctually want to make when we're presented with a bunch of things lying around us and we need shelter that's what we end up building and and that's kind of that's kind of the kind of structures that i that i tend towards um 
I I started in Australia um, building very conventional houses and conventional structures in Australia would be timber frame houses, a little bit of brick or block and uh, a lot of wood there. And I then I then went overseas. I went to India for two years. I went to Kenya for a year. And in both those places, I was working. I was doing kind of work that I really kind of I enjoyed and was and was really happy to be doing. But it was quite boring building work. In the end, the priority was to build as much as we could, as quickly as we could, as cheaply as we could, which is the same priority in the Western world, right? Everyone just needs structure. Everyone like acknowledges the need for structure and it's just get it up. Don't think about it. Just get a shelter as quickly as possible. And then the other end of the spectrum is these over-designed, far too expensive places that are artworks. They're, they're people's, you know, they're people's artworks. They're the expressions of themselves. And I think somewhere in there, there's this middle ground of being able to, express yourself through your home and build a place that's built for you and suited to you but um it doesn't it there's no reason that it has to cost a lot design doesn't cost a lot art doesn't cost a lot to make you know it's just it's just finding a way to to get it out there so i i guess i i came to i came to eco building or or building or building <laughs> known yeah or just building um i came to the type of building that i'm doing now and and teaching now uh by getting really bored of conventional building and knowing that there were so many other ways out there to do it and so at some point i i i left building completely i went into roasting coffee and farming coffee and only working in coffee For, it was only a year. I lasted a year doing that. And I was in the Philippines on a coffee farm. Uh, and I just had this realization that for me, I'm so glad other people don't feel this way. But for me, coffee wasn't important enough for me to spend the rest of my life doing. And so I decided to go back to building. And I went on a bit of a mission to learn as many different types of building as I could anywhere around the world. And so I went back to India, I went back to Africa, I went to South America and up to North America, uh, just learning, just just going to different programs, different schools, different workshops, anywhere I could, where anyone was teaching something that I didn't know around buildings and, and went and learned from them. Had you been building in Australia yeah. previous to going to India? Yeah, and yeah. Then I'd been, I, that's where I started when I was 16, uh, building in Australia. Um, kind of after school on weekends. Uh, I also grew up in uh, a building site. My parents built our own home when I was, they started when I was four years old and they didn't finish it. Actually, it never got finished, to be honest, but it, it didn't really feel like much of a home until I was about eight. Um, but we but we moved in within six months or something. And so I grew up with like half-built staircases and plywood floors and like Uh, trestle tables for kitchens and all that kind of stuff. So it was completely normal to me. Uh, it's funny since since getting together with Aaron, I, I suddenly realize all these things that are completely normal to me, like tools like falling out of my pockets into the bed or, or like <laughs> mud being traped through the house. Uh, wasn't normal for everyone. Definitely wasn't normal for her. How did you become involved in the airship? The airship was that while you were in, in India? Yeah. So no, it wasn't while I was in India. Um, it was. It was a, a friend of mine, I guess, came across them and sent me a little link saying, hey, this sounds like exactly the kind of thing you're looking for. Cause this I, was after India? No. Okay, sorry. So this was after the first India trip, but it was on the second India trip. Sorry, that's confusing. The first India trip was all about what I thought was really important at the time and what I wanted to be doing was all humanitarian work, um, but I was doing all conventional building. And while I was happy to be doing the work I wanted to be doing, it wasn't the buildings I wanted to be building. So I went back to India a second time to learn all of the alternative building methods and everything everything that I hadn't learned the first time. I went there as a student this time rather than someone who was there to build buildings for them. I went to learn their techniques. And I learned a lot about recycling trash materials and and taking salvaged, uh, salvaged wood from the old shipyards and turning it into building components that could, could fit into homes. And 
um, I kind of, that's what kind of wet my appetite for the whole thing. And, um, I found out about Earthships, And so I went from India on that trip straight down to Ushuaia, which is the very South of Argentina, southernmost city in the world. And the Earthship Biotech, the company was running their first international workshop down there. And so I built a building with them. And then Mike Reynolds, who runs Earthship Biotecture, who started that, he offered me a job after um, that workshop. And for seven years, eight years after that, I, I worked for them part time, kind of starting out just as what they'd call a mercenary. I was just there for, for muscle, you know, whenever they had a big job on, they, they'd bring a few of us in and we'd pound tires and move gravel and, and be the kind of heavy lifting. Um, and then in the last three years that I was working with them, I was the site foreman for whatever jobs I was on. So I was doing most of their international jobs outside of the Americas, outside of North and South America. There was a couple of other foremen, Phil and Rory, who ran those jobs, but I did all the ones in kind of Asia or, or in, uh, in, uh, Africa or wherever, wherever we were building Japan. Yeah. I think the, the term Earthship probably a lot of people will be familiar with it in one shape or form but sure like what yeah. are it's i mean it's more of a philosophy rather than are the earth ships are different everywhere aren't they can you explain <laughs> what an earthship is is basically sure. what i'm trying to ask you this is, this is another one of those <laughs> yeah. fun things the sooner people try to describe something that doesn't quite fit any one box completely um a lot of people would call earth ships eco homes um but they they aren't necessarily built with with eco materials or natural materials in any way at the start the thing that i had in my head was yeah uh, kind of round shaped like a house that was kind of like a Teletubby house uh-huh. built into the into the ground and it yeah. had grass on top of it yeah and yeah. that was it well that's part of it for sure what informs the design of earthships is uh, these basic human needs right so it's the the need for shelter the need for clean drinking water the the need for food um a need to be able to deal with our, our own waste and a need to process all of the trash, all of the garbage that we create. So it's kind of included in the waste, but in one way we've got to deal with our, our sewerage waste and the other way we've got to deal with all the other waste that we create. Um, Which is kind of a consideration for anybody anyway, isn't it? Like- well, it should be, but it's not at all. Most of us don't have to think about <clears throat> it. You know, I mean, for the food and shelter and water, Sometimes we have to think about those things, but often people don't want to think about those things. You know? But if you're missing one of them, like you, you would be under pressure. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll notice. If one of those things stops being taken care of, you'll notice very quickly. You know, Whether it's trash building up around you or your sewerage not working or no water or no roof you know very quickly they they like that so that that's that's kind of what what we mean when we call them like the basic human needs they're the things they're our baseline needs that we that we need to have met before we can move on to being able to enjoy the luxuries of like falling in love or getting an education or anything else you know if those those needs aren't met what's the so Maslow's, Maslow's yeah, hierarchy, Maslow's of, hierarchy needs, yeah. of needs is is food, shelter, and uh, family, I believe. Something like that. I could be getting it it's, wrong. I mean, it sounds familiar to what you just described. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we add a few more things on because that wasn't quite enough. And I think I think he's right. I think Maslow's idea is right that those are the basic needs that we need to to get, have met before we can move on. But there are other things like dealing with our own sewerage or dealing with our own garbage. If they're not met, they're obviously too distracting for us to be able to deal with anything else as well. You know, so Earthships in, in the real world, out of the theory world, Earthships are buildings that are made primarily out of reused waste. So things that would normally go to landfill or be burnt or, or whatever. Um, they're primarily built out of that and as much natural material as possible, but then a lot of conventional building methods as well. So a lot of glass, concrete, um, uh, what else? I mean, that's about it. Glass and concrete would be the two, the two main conventional techniques that are used and some dimensional lumber for sure. So it kind of depends on the people who are building it and where it's built as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a theory. It's an idea of building, you know, and, and there's the ways that the company build it. But even 
Earthship Company, like uh, there are variations amongst amongst the buildings that they build as well. In the end, the dream is to build a a house that's self sustainable that meets those five needs that we're talking about, right? So, the, the Earthship buildings are are taking the trash that we generate, the garbage, the plastics, and the rubber and the whatever, and putting them into the building. Learning how to build our homes with that with that waste. The sewage is dealt with. The plants grow inside the house, so no matter how bad the environment is, we create a growing space that that works for plants. Drinking water is usually harvested from the sky unless you have access to a well. Not everyone's as lucky as Ireland with with how much water there is. Um, and shelter and the roof over your head. And so it's just the building, it, it looks the way that it looks and it's built out of the materials it's built out of in an attempt to meet all those needs, you know, and if there was any way that those needs could be met more easily or efficiently, then the building would change design to suit that. The building's not stuck looking any certain way. It just, at the moment, that's the, that's the way they, they see to, to uh, build it. What kind of way does the airship kind of apply to Ireland? Like, in terms of the planning laws and the possibilities of building those types of houses in Ireland? Because, like, while you're talking about it now, like, like we're talking about it in a time where building, like, the housing situation in Ireland is pretty grim in terms of, like, the amount of homeless people there are, the amount of people who are not able to buy a house, and the affordability of property in Ireland, like, is through the charts. So it sounds like it's very relevant in a way. Sure. Well, well, that's... The earthship theory is one thing, for sure. But what what I kind of see as the greater need is that people need shelter. I don't know enough about food to be teaching everyone about food. I don't know enough about sewerage to teach everyone about sewerage. But this this basic need that I see stronger in Ireland than I've seen in many other countries is this need for homes. People just need places to live. And the laws and the prices are what's stopping them from, from getting there. Um, I'm, I'm, the courses I'm running up in Clare at the moment are really trying to empower people to be able to build their own spaces and it's just the start it's it, I'm just trying to start the conversation I really believe that being able to build our own homes and live in our own homes and then fix them as things might go wrong with them or as we break them or whatever happens I think it's part of being human it's what makes us who we are right it's part of the it's part of the makeup of what makes us different from from other animals is that is that we build, I mean, a lot of animals build their own shelter too, but I, I really think it's part of the journey of, of being on the planet is is building our own shelter and having it grow and adapt as our needs change. And and I, I, don't, I don't think that a house is ever really finished or ever should be finished. I think the house is always an extension of us and where we are and it's always going to show what stage of our life we're in, you know, like you've been to my house. You've like, I built that as a, as a bachelor pad for me out in the countryside. And now I have a wife and daughter who I'm like really quickly trying to build bedrooms for, I'm putting up internal walls for there's extensions happening. And, and I love that. It's an, it, it, it's like always reflecting where I am in life and what's important to me. You know, this year we're finally going to have food growing in the greenhouse like that's amazing you know and until now i haven't been able to do that um as far as as far as being able to build these spaces in ireland earthships is one idea that i'm going to continue to push and fight for here in ireland i want to build a house out of tires off the grid here and technically there's no law stopping me to do it is there one built here yet there is one over in in wicklow and i i haven't seen it and it was owner built the company didn't build it so i'm i'm not sure if it's amazing or if it's half-hearted i'm not sure i've never met them but it might be amazing i should go and see it um but i i keep hitting the same thing now where the planning process is so difficult for people at the moment and the laws are becoming so strict that that everyone's being railroaded into building the same type of house out of the same type of materials. And I, I, I guess I don't know enough about, maybe I'm a bit too simplistic when it comes to understanding how these laws are made, but in every other industry in our life and everything else that we do, 
we we consider diversity to be a good thing to be to be the answer to our lot of our problems whether it's whether it's like people or growing food or or uh i don't know whatever else it is like all the culture that we let in like diversity is diversity is how we get evolution it's how we grow and change we like take different ideas and we put them together and those ideas all the good parts of them stick and all the bad parts kind of get outweighed and and then on the other side of it we're forcing people to build the exact same types of houses out of the exact materials they're not allowed to change anything and it just i'm just seeing this like future where in 10 or 15 years someone's like oh, whoops maybe we shouldn't have been using that <laughs> material all this time and every house in the country is going to is going to fall into that category but the thing about that whole system uh, is that there are there's a lot of loopholes there's a lot of ways to work outside of that here's a greenfield site I want to build a house. How do I build a house? I'll go out. I give a construction company three hundred thousand or three hundred and fifty thousand, and I'll get a three-bedroom house at the end of it. And great, that's it. That's all I have to do. And then I just have to work for thirty or forty years to pay for it, and I'm good. I'm sorted. I've got shelter. You know, it was that easy. There, there's so many ways around it and and outside of it. And being able to build without a mortgage is what I see as the only way to really break that cycle because the banks are going to insist that houses are built in a certain way to protect their investment and i understand that i i if i was a bank i would probably have some similar guidelines set in place for how people spent the money that i lent them right but if people want to get out of that system if people want to do something different if people maybe only want a 10 year mortgage rather than a 30 year mortgage then then we have to start doing things differently and i think the main i think the main way that we would start that process is to start building ourselves right to take that huge chunk of that 350,000 euro mortgage out of the equation right away you know you could drop that down to 150 for the exact same house if you spent some time and and learned how to do it and and built it yourself um and as far as i can hear all the the questions like kind of around like are you allowed to do that like is anyone allowed to build a house and technically yeah you're allowed to build your own house absolutely um the issue you might have is down the line when you go to sell that house is that you don't have a certificate from an approved installer or an approved whoever that built it and so then that brings up all these questions around are houses just products are they like cars that we just buy and sell like whenever whenever we get tired of being in one place or or do we need to start thinking about houses as something different are they something that we constantly invest in our whole life that they don't really have a have a strong value uh, or have such a strictly uh, evaluated value of of their worth and and what they're worth for someone else to buy or how much energy you've put into it because my house now if I was to add up all the hours I've put into my house no one could afford to buy it but I'm I'm never going to sell my house not for that not like that you know it's it's my home it's it's growing with me you know like what you're talking about is pretty radical because on what on one hand you're talking about things that are that we're hardwired to be sort of attracted to like building your own house and maintaining your own house and being able to do it yourself like there must be something inside of us on a primal level that we're programmed to do that because we've been doing it for so many years so many thousands of years yeah absolutely but then on the other hand we're kind of after getting ourselves into this place where like you said because of the laws and because of the laws what was the two things you said there the laws and the mortgages the mortgages and, just them costing yeah, so much and also then there's also the element of which you kind of alluded to there of like being a part of a capitalist system means that people are trying to sell stuff more and more which has driven the price of building a basic house yeah up through the roof so and because we're so far down that line yeah. that's the way most people are thinking and don't even think outside of that so sure. even though what you're saying is kind of that we're hardwired to 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 be drawn to that yeah. it is pretty radical though saying that now sure well i mean yeah you hit it you hit it like right on there i think building is instinctual i think 
I think when we when we discuss building and when we actually just start looking at it and considering how things are built, it's really instinctual. It's really basic physics and engineering that make these things work. And deep down, we know and we want to be a part of it. We want to be involved in it. And the the systems that get set up to protect us or or stop or or stop us making mistakes or stop us hurting ourselves or whatever that all these building code and laws and everything they they all have good excuses or reasoning behind them but they're completely disabling for people like it's like food you know we i mean i i grew up i grew up eating frozen vegetables not really even understanding that that vegetables were grown in the ground could be grown in the ground in my own yard like vegetables came from a supermarket for me you know and it's only now like 30 years later that I can I can really understand oh I can grow food in my own house I can actually do it I'm going to grow all the veg that I'm going to eat this year in my own house and it took a long time for me to realize that I'm allowed to do that and that it's possible and so it's kind of like stepping out of being a consumer absolutely yeah because it's what else are we going to do if we don't build our own shelter if we don't spend time like building and cooking and raising our family and and well we just work then that that's it we just <laughs> all we do is work and then what's the what's the work for you know i mean i know everyone has different needs and the kind of stuff i'm talking about it appeals to you on an instinctual level other people it might repulse you know the idea of having to pick up a hammer or 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 fix something in their house that's just not something they're interested in at all but there's so many of us that's all we want to do and that's all that makes sense and and learning like really really basic skills like the minimum basic skills is is stepping out of that consumer cycle hugely you to know? use that example about food it just seems more realistic to be able to grow your own food in your garden than building your own house just like you know what I mean yeah. like I said if, you, if you've grown up eating, eating frozen vegetables yeah. <clears throat> you can go on YouTube and see like this is how you plant tomatoes and then sure. you get a little box and you plant them and then they grow and then eat them sure whereas it's a whole other ball game if you're renting a house somewhere and you're like want to build a house yeah it just seems like that's uh, on a different planet why is that why do you think that is I think it's because we're we're after getting so conditioned that you have to get a mortgage and you have to build a house that goes by these regulations and it has to look like this it's the fear it's just this it's this fear that's instilled in us that something could go wrong you know and then the two the two points that is like so terrifying is firstly that we're spending a lot of money on something so we want it to go right we need it to go right and then the other is that it could be dangerous or or like somebody could get hurt. I could get hurt while I'm building on it. it. Could fall down on me like ten years later. Whatever it is, right? These fears are built into us, and and I understand that. And where I, do you I, even start, though? As well, that's the other thing. Like, how would you even start to do that if you live in a city? How would you? you how would you start to learn? You have to get a piece of land or something like that. Yeah, well, you go and learn on someone else's piece of the land. There, there are communities all over the world that are teaching people how to build without officially teaching people how to build. You know, you can you can go to sites all over France and Spain and go to communities out there who are building. If you want to learn how to build, it's there. Or in Ireland, you come out to me and you, you build something with me for a week and we'll build a whole structure in a week and we'll overview how a whole structure gets put together in a week. And you might not be able to leave a week later and build your own house. That's not really the point. The point is to let you know that it's possible. Like, Whenever I was on the course, the, yeah. the main thing that happened to me as the course was going on, yeah, I think like I was there for like nine days or something like sure. that. And I was like, every day I was thinking, you see, if I did get a house, actually, I, do, I could get a shitter house now. Yeah. And then every day I was going on, I was like, I could get a shitter house and I yeah. get a shitter house because yeah. I, know, I think we'd be able to learn how to do this bit exactly. a bit more myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's the dream. That's so cool. So I've never, no one's ever told that, like, said that to me before. I had to get before. a really good house, but by the time it was finished, it was like, I'll just buy the shittest house that exists yeah. and I'll, like, change it into a classic. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so just like that, like a nine-day course and you save yourself a hundred grand. That's a ten-year mortgage, you know? And it wasn't like, I wasn't thinking, I'll just get a really shit house tomorrow and I'll be able to do everything myself, but it was 
being able to see that I can see how that's done now and if I yeah. spent more time exactly. learning that then yeah. I would be able to do it I mean it's a taster like nobody's saying you can learn how to build a house in a whole week but you can understand how a house is built in a week and that's huge having like even the smallest understanding of how how houses work it's like again cooking I always I always end up relating it to cooking because I feel like in 30 years since when I first started eating to now when I'm cooking <laughs> and what my daughter's eating, I've, I've had such a massive change in understanding how food works and how different elements affect food and, and what the core parts that matter are. And I can cook things now that I could never, ever have that. My mother definitely never cooked. And, and it's, it's because the whole culture around food has changed the way we talk about it, the expectations we have, how much we want to be involved in it. Like that's all changed and evolved. And I think the building industry is at the opposite end of that, that scale right now, where right now we have a lot of people who need houses. We have a lot of houses being built that people can't afford and are renting. So very few people own them and a lot of people are renting and paying a lot for them amounts that they can't afford. And in 10 years, they still don't have a house. It's, it's the other end of the spectrum and it's going to hit, it's going to have to hit a tipping point because these people are going to need homes, you know, at some point they're going to need a home and they're not going to be able to afford the rent. And the rent has to be that high because that's what the landlord bought it for. That's what the landlord built it for. And so somewhere the system has to, has to break. There has to be a break in that cycle and, and there has to be an alternative. It has to be an off-ramp. Basically. The other side is that like, if you did manage to buy a house and get a mortgage, you're kind of in bondage yeah, you're done then. to that house then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great you've got shelter, but you, you, the house owns you. you. You can't do anything you want. You know, you, you've, got to, you've got to make sure that house is still in good condition for the bank just in case. Do you ever get anyone freaking out when you say this because if, i get if, i get people mad at me like yeah if, yeah if you have someone who has got a 300 grand mortgage and you say that yeah probably going to touch this nerve or two of course of course but i mean i can't change anything about that I, it's I, this is this is this is how it is I, I don't think i'm saying anything that outrageous i think i'm i'm suggesting that there's an alternate way i'm not even saying that the way it is right now is is bad for some people it's fine and it's working but there's a lot of people who it's not working for there's a lot of people who are renting right now who would much rather have their own house even if it wasn't as nice as the one that they were renting if they had their own place that they could spend time working on rather than working at i don't know aldi or in an office or in a different construction job you know i so many builders i know who don't build their own houses who, who work, <laughs> who work and get paid to build other people's houses and then get a 300,000 mortgage to, to move into a house. And that blows my mind. I don't understand that at all. I guess that's like chefs getting takeout though. It's kind of similar. Does it, is it related to what you were saying? Or I actually think I cut across you there when you were about to say it, to talk, you were talking about the fear that people have. Yeah. I mean, the, the fear the fear is debilitating, right? The fear of losing money that we've worked for. The fear in Ireland, the fear of another recession is is like terrifying. And I came to Ireland after the last recession. So all I heard about for three years was the recession, the recession, the Celtic Tiger, the recession, the recession. You know, it was just, it was everywhere. It was, it was just in the common like psyche of what we were doing and talking and how we made decisions. It informed every decision we made. And you see it in every aspect of life in Ireland at the moment. And I, I must sound like a prick when I talk like this, but because I'm not from here, I see things from a slightly different perspective. And I, I, I guess I'm comparing it to a lot of the other countries I've spent time in. And, and I mean, they're not all developing countries either, you know, coming from Australia and spending a lot of time in the States. Like the, the insurance situation in Ireland is, is, is basically the personification of the fear that, that we, we all have here, that everyone has here around, around the insurance companies having a complete hold over 
what anyone wants to do in any way. And you're not allowed to do anything unless you're insured to do it, unless you're covered to know, unless everyone who interacts with you is insured to do it. And that's all, it's just a culture based on fear. It's a culture based on what ifs. And there's an infinite number of what ifs, which means there's an infinite number of ways that you can protect yourself and you can get charged every single time for them. I don't mean to go down an insurance rabbit hole, but I'm, I'm talking about this fear that stops us stops us living we become so afraid of dying that we don't live and it and it's this like horrible horrible cycle we just get trapped in and then and then we really do die and that that was it we spent the whole time <laughs> we spent the whole time protecting ourselves from it so are you saying that that's not the way it is in other countries <laughs> ireland's a really small country you know i i sometimes i feel I feel like Ireland's almost like a community more than more than a country. In other places that I've been, I I've been in a lot of communities and a lot of cultures where that isn't the overriding feeling. That isn't the overriding urge or the driving force behind everyone's decisions. And I think that's what it comes down to is like we, you know, we might say that we're, 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 we're just a, a sum of all our parts. We're an accumulation of all the decisions we make. But I think we're, we're more, we, we are the reason we make decisions. You know, who we are is made up of our reasons why we do the things that we do, why we make decisions, why we choose to drive or ride a bike, why we choose to like fly or not fly, why we choose to cook our own food or buy something. And sometimes it's economical. Sometimes it's, completely fear-based sometimes it's skill-based we don't know yet how to do it um i guess we're going down like a line here that yeah it does it becomes very controversial people are very black or white about about these topics they choose a side of 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 a lot of these things and i don't i don't really mean to go down there i i think it just ends up being a little inevitable because essentially what i'm trying to do is give people the option to learn something if they want to learn it. And I don't mind if anyone uses it or not, but we get, we get like 50 to a hundred people coming through the courses every year. And every one of them is, is delighted when they're leaving. They cannot believe the stuff they've just learned. You know, I get people coming back to me saying or writing to me saying that like every time they walk into a building now they're looking around and they're they're seeing buttresses they're seeing braces <laughs> they're seeing trusses and they know what they all are they know what they're doing and they're, they haven't built their own house yet and they might never but they just know a little bit more about how the world works and that feels good for the people who do feel attracted to the possibility of kind of breaking out of that cycle that you're talking about of working getting a mortgage building a house, paying for the mortgage yeah. and just sure. keep them going around like that. What is a good starting point? A good starting point is to stop letting other people tell you what kind of house you should have or what you should expect or what you need. You know, that's a personal decision and it should be really reflective of where you are in, in your life, what stage you are in your life. Um, I think like you were saying, you spent nine days with us, right? And after nine days, you were no longer looking at houses that cost a quarter of a million euros. You were looking at houses that cost like 80,000 euros, yeah. right? That's the change. That's, that's, what, that's what happens with just a week of talking about building. You spend another two or three weeks like learning some more skills and you'll save yourself another... 50 or a hundred grand in you doing the work yourself rather than someone else doing it. The big change has to come in not treating houses so much like products, like we buy them and we sell them and we try and make them retain their value or increase their value, but treating them like homes and investing in them like homes, like we do like in, in other parts of our life, you know? And I think Only the only person who's going to buy a 200-year-old stone cottage in the countryside is someone who's willing to invest time and energy into renovating that space and working with it and working with its quirks and maybe 
finding a little way to celebrate that this structure was built 200 years ago and it's still standing. I don't know if we can say that about any of the houses that are being built this year in Ireland. I don't know that a single house being built today will be here in 200 years. I doubt it. And yet we'll knock down a structure that's still standing from 200 years ago to build one of these houses. Is that kind of unique to Ireland, those stone cottages? It's unique to anywhere that's had a culture in it for so long that that the building methods, the building methods were the same all around the world. Like there were, there are some that more focused on, on wood um, and timber frame. There's some Scandinavian countries that were much, a much bigger mix of stone just for foundations. And then they switched to timber frame or some would do stone for the first floor. Um, the stone cottages of Ireland and, and the UK and Scotland and all that area and Wales are, are pretty special. France is covered in them as well, actually. And, 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 uh, and so Spain that, I mean, it's this part of the world because that was our main resource. I think the timber here, the timber here was not long and straight and easy to build with. It was gnarled and knotty and usually just burnt, you know, or, or treasured, you know, uh, and, and so stone and mud was, was the main building material here. And it worked really well. It worked so well that it, they're still standing, you know, like my, my house is, it's built with stone. It's got mud in the walls and it's, and I've totally modernized it in so many ways. I've added new materials to it. I've made it warmer. I've made it more energy efficient. I've done everything I needed to do to make it comfortable for my family now. But it brings me so much joy seeing that, that fireplace with a, with a lintel built over it that was built so long ago by someone with amazing skills. How's, I was going to my next question. How did people build those houses? Like, how did they your built, house get built? Did they, people come together? Like, where did yeah, they come from? There yeah. wasn't any contractors back then? No, of course not. People built their own houses. Everyone built their own houses. Oh, they, their community came and built, built houses together. You know, so usually these cottages in Ireland, they're in clusters, right? There, there's, there's one here and then there's one on the next hill there and there's one on the next hill. Sometimes it's much closer together. I think in the cities, they were always builders. They were always contractors. But in the countryside, people were building their own houses and they were, they were learning from each other. They were learning from their mistakes. They were going and, and teaching each other different tricks or techniques they used. Um, but it was the same ideas right across. And I'm, I'm not really saying that we need to go back to the old ways that we did things. And I'm not saying that anyone needs to build a house out of stone. Now I'm just, I'm more worried about, I'm more worried about the state of people's hearts, you know, that, that we're not connected to that part of who we are anymore, that we're not connected to something that was so integral to our daily life. Just a hundred years ago, what's that like two or three generations ago that, that that's gone, that we don't do that anymore. And what have we filled that time with like Netflix? That's basically what we filled that time with. It's mad because in a way it kind of seems that that's a symptom of the way that we're living today, as opposed to like the problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like why are we disconnected with our food and why are we disconnected with yeah. where we like the way that we build our house and where we live? Yeah. And that seems like a pretty kind of deep question that seems like you're kind of touching the surface off there. Sure. I don't know. I don't know how deep we should go into it, but yeah, I agree. I think, I think the, a, a lack of understanding is what makes us so susceptible to being told what to do and how to do it and what materials to use. And, and I'm not disagreeing with like, every country has building codes and they're set in place for, for standards and for safety. And, and, and I totally understand that I do. And they're not wrong. Those, those rules that they have in place, they're not always wrong. They make mistakes too. Everyone makes mistakes, right? But when we don't have an understanding about how a system works or how a house is built or how a wall should be put together or how insulation even works, then we can't even ask questions. We, we don't even know what the right questions to ask are. We have no, we have no basis for, for, 
for daring to question our builder, you know, which is crazy. It doesn't make any sense at all. I'm just remembering something that you were talking about in the course one day on a really basic level, kind of connected with that. You were saying, like, if you're going down to the hardware store, this is what you're asking for. Yeah. And like, this is how you say it. Yeah. I can't remember what exactly you were talking about. Piece of wood or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about... It could be a kind probably. of intimidating places to go to if you're not used to going into a shop with full tools and different types of wood or not. Absolutely, yeah. Like, we, we, we've, lost, we've lost the language. And as building, as, as building and building codes and building everything has progressed, the language has become more exclusive. The deeper you go, the harder the language is to understand. And then they throw in some equations around U values and you're just like, well, fuck, I'm out of here. I can't, there's, <laughs> there's no way, there's no way I could ever understand. I sucked at maths. I can't build my own house, you know? And, and it's, it's really disabling for people. It's really disabling to, to not feel confident to even have a conversation around something or to ask a question. And, and that's, that's massive. I mean, everybody should be able to go to a hardware store and not know what they want and be able to be able to find out what they need. You know, they should be able to be guided in some way or another. And a lot of people don't have that experience. A lot of people have a really negative experience. They feel, they feel kind of patronized or belittled for, for not knowing exactly what they're looking for, for, for not knowing what a four by two is or, or how long a standard length of wood is, or, you know, how big a sheet of plywood is these things that, that why would anyone know these things? If, if no one's building their own houses, there's no reason for anyone to know this knowledge or, or have this language. And it's just more and more stuff that we're, we're losing. And in one way, I feel like on a whole, we probably justify not having to make those decisions or think about those things anymore because we've got way more important things to do or think about, but we don't. And, and we've filled, we've filled those, those knowledge voids with, with some pretty useless stuff. Maybe some better stuff. Maybe we've gotten a lot better at something. <laughs> Communicating, maybe, but I doubt it. You know the way that building technology has progressed through the years and heating the way that we heat houses and stuff sure. has progressed yeah can you talk maybe a little bit about what you think of that in because i can't remember exactly the context that you were talking about it in mm. on the day one of the days that we were on the course with you but yeah. it was something along the lines of and i'm like kind of paraphrasing or something in my head but like that that houses have become kind of sterile or kind of um I think you were talking about passive houses maybe or something yeah. like that. That I'll just interject so you don't put any words in my okay. mouth that I didn't put there yeah. in the first place. Sweet. But I I think I think what I was what I was talking about is that the the direction the direction that the construction industry is taking now is is focused on airtightness and and full control of our climate inside of our house, right? And it, it is, it's controllable at the push of a button, basically. So it's, it's very energy dependent. And the justification for all those rules is based on energy as well. Trying to become more energy efficient, having to meet certain goals, climate goals, whatever it is, not, not, uh, not having smoke coming out of our chimneys or whatever those reasons are. And the reasons aren't wrong. But again, the, what, what, what comes up for me is we're, we're building these taped up, perfectly sealed houses where even the ventilation is mechanical. The, the air that comes into the house is mechanically operated. You know, it's an electric switch opening one vent, turning a fan on, closing another vent, turning a fan off, pulling the air in, pushing it out. We're, we're creating these, these bubbles that are totally reliant on electricity on this one thing that we're trying to get better at using and and take more responsibility for and i i don't think i would i don't think i would go to say that those houses are, are wrong in any way but they're taking a very clear line on on the kind of houses that they're building and they're not leaving any room for error and compared to the way that we 
used to build or that a lot of other countries allow you to build still where the ideal house is a house that is able to breathe that's allowed to absorb moisture and then release moisture because moisture is always going to be a part of our life and that happens naturally with the materials that we use and there's nothing wrong with those materials they work they've been proven to work they they've never been proven not to work the reason these new materials that we use the the plasterboards and and the membranes and the the airtight tape and and relying on electricity to even let air into our house the reason these systems start coming in is because they can be graded and measured and we love being able to measure things because the only way we can ensure something is by measuring it and saying well as long as it's fits within these measurements as long as it can be can be graphed then then we'll cover you for it we'll make sure you're insured for it and so nothing you do no decision you make is ever a risk you know we're so adverse to risk that that we we will will take any decision we can that avoids us having to uh take responsibility for our decisions or our actions especially when we don't know something about it and i understand that fear i don't think that fear is completely wrong but i think there's two solutions to it i think we can let someone else make the decisions for us and not take any responsibility or we can learn about the subject and make our own decisions about it you know and the same thing comes when we start talking about health and when we start talking about medicine and what we want to take and what we don't want to take and what we do want to be vaccinated against and what we don't we have two decisions we can do what we're told to do or we can rebel without knowing anything or we can educate ourselves and decide what parts we want to partake in and what parts we don't and and make educated decisions and and the same thing goes for for houses i think the more we educate ourselves the more our decisions can be informed and and come from a place of understanding rather than a place of fear is that essentially what drives you to be putting on the courses I think I've been building other people's houses for for a long time now for or for for a while and I what drives me to do the courses is seeing people's joy when they learn something that I think is so instinctual to them you know that they might have been told their whole life they're they're not meant to be doing and you empower them you give them this tool or you give them the knowledge to use this tool and to make this shape or to to create this this structure and this like this overriding like joy comes out of it and sometimes it's a little like they're a little shocked at how capable they actually are you know it's like they always deep down thought they would be able to do that or good at it but they've been told their whole life that oh you're not allowed to weld you're a, you're a girl or you're not allowed to like you're not allowed to build that you you've never been trained to build that so you can't build that and i think my overriding thing the reason i still do it is because people want it they they're happy to do it it brings them joy it makes them it makes them feel good and feel empowered i'm not actually my my dream isn't that everyone is going and building their own houses i just want people to be happy i want them to be doing something that that makes sense for them and makes makes the whole world make more sense for them because i think i think some of us are so lost in so many ways and the only way we're going to get unlost is by starting to understand a bit about why things are the way that they are and i don't know anything about anything except building and so <laughs> i just talk about building that's all i talk about but most of the time it's usually just coming down to us doing what what makes us happy so you know what wasn't there when you were doing the coffee is it do you have it now yeah 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 it's it's totally there this is where i'm spending the rest of my life doing for sure and as much as I, I I do I get a lot of hate for it as well I get a lot of people telling me I shouldn't be doing this I get a lot of people angry that I'm suggesting that people could do this or questioning the systems that that are there like who, who said not specifically no. the person, but like wh- who gives you the 
the kind of well, a lot of a lot of other builders don't believe that other people can do what they can do, and and I don't mean to be putting anyone out of work, and I do not think in my lifetime that any builder is going to lose a day's work because of something that that I've taught people. I I think I think the demand is there for both sides of it. I like to think we're just we're just putting the options out there where we're presenting a slightly different way of doing it. And I also think we're providing a little bit of an insurance policy just in case these systems that we're putting in place don't work perfectly, that we're not all relying on it, that we're not all stuck with it. And if this year's taught us anything or last year, you know, it's like, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows how the world's going to change? And it changes quick and we 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 build these palaces out of these perfect rules and these structured systems and they can crumble in a second and it's nice to know that you're not relying on it just in case it's nice to have i mean you can choose to dip in whenever you need to you know if you want to and and pay your dues when you do absolutely but it's nice to know that you'd be okay without it as well mm. What have you got planned? Like, I know it's hard to plan anything really at this stage, but... Yeah, I mean, at the moment... At the moment, it's it's building building a bigger school. And it's not actually so I can bring more people in. The classes are at their limit. I never want to have more than 25 people per class. But I want to create a space that is the embodiment of what I'm talking about now. I want to I want to create a space that helps people ask all the right questions that they walk into and they're like I didn't know I could do that or I didn't know I could use that material because we are so used to walking into spaces that all look the same that we don't even see them we don't even see the buildings we walk into and I guess that's the part of me that's very proudly a builder is that I want the builders to be celebrated they're the artists that I see like anywhere I go, any room I walk into, what I'm looking at is, is the builder's work and I'm appreciating that. But most of the time it gets covered up with, with gyprock or flooring made of sawdust and with a wood print on top of it or whatever it is, you know, the, the, the builder's work gets hidden. And I think there's a little part of me that wants to build a building that, a five-year-old or a 30-year-old or a 70-year-old could all walk into at the same time and look around and instinctually understand how it works, how it's standing up, what's making it stay standing up, where the electricity is running, where the plumbing's going, where the shit goes. I mean, I don't know how old I was when I finally discovered that the shit all goes to a central big plant somewhere. That was amazing to me growing up. But the first time I looked in the septic tank was yeah. whenever I was up with you. Okay, yeah, amazing. How how do you get how do you get to thirty years old without ever questioning what happens when <laughs> you flush the toilet? You know, it's it's crazy. And my 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 hope is that we're okay. I I don't think. I'm definitely not teaching anything new. I'm not inventing anything. I'm not having any revolutionary ideas. I am I'm teaching concepts and ideas that are way older than me. I think I think what I'm trying to do is create an environment that encourages people to ask questions and and to to ask questions until they understand whatever it is that they're that they're questioning, you know, to create an environment that's safe enough that we can doubt things, that we can question things, that we can test things until we understand their value and, and understand their weaknesses. You know, I think there's this, there's this kind of mentality sometimes where things have to be just done the right way or just done with the right material or that's the right thing for the job. And I don't think there is a right thing for any job i don't think there's one way to do anything i think i think there are so many different paths to take to any goal and we we should be able to make decisions for ourselves and assess whether that path has the things we want on it or whether we should take another path that gives us something else you know in in a really simple way without like making a metaphor out of it 
I think there's a really basic decision there where we could take we could take out a 300,000 euro mortgage and buy a house that's finished and ready to move into and spend 30 years paying it off or 40 years paying it off. Or we could take a 100,000 euro mortgage out and spend 10 to 15 years paying it off and spend the rest of the time building it and living in it and working on it. And that's neither here nor there. That's not hurting anyone. That's not taking anything away from anyone. That's just deciding how you want to spend your time. And I don't think that's crazy. I, I, I mean, I think everyone should be questioning that. I think everyone, everyone should be challenging that. Uh, and, and being given the opportunity to at least decide what path they want to take, what one works for them. This episode of the Rebel Matters podcast was presented by me, Anna O'Carolan, and produced by Vicky Langan. The Rebel Matters podcast is 100% funded by our followers over on Patreon, and we are very grateful for that support. If you'd like to become a patron, then you can find us on www.patreon.com forward slash Rebel Matters, where you can see the various tiers of support that you can choose from. Every single bit of support that we get here at the Rebel Matters podcast means a lot to us and really does help to keep the show on the road. Anyway, that's all from me this week. So, Gajian Kedarella, Akarja, Slan Gafoil, August Kenny Fiore.